This message was recorded at North 2013, an event organised by Christ Central, part of New Frontiers. You can find out more about Christ Central by visiting our website, ChristCentralChurches.org. All right, well, welcome everyone. We're going to get uh, started. It's just after three, and if a few more people join us, that is fine. Uh, my name is Joe Crummy, and I'm from Fredericton, New Brunswick, Canada. And so it's great to be here and a privilege to be here. And this afternoon, I'm going to be sharing some very practical things on, uh, as I said before, keeping or trying to keep your sanity in the midst of a growing family and a growing church. And I do not claim to be any expert, but I do claim this. I am in the middle of it. Okay, so if you need sympathy and uh, understanding, I'm with you. Okay, and. Basically, um, I just want to share some things that uh, we're trying for my wife and I that we're trying to put through. And I'm trying to give you some principles this afternoon that sort of no matter what stage of life you're in, hopefully you can apply those principles. So even if you're single, some of these things will certainly apply to you, even if you're married, no kids, or even if you're grandparents, okay? I think I've tried to frame it that uh, the principles you can apply to your situation, although some of my examples obviously fit for me. All right. So come on in, everyone. Great to have you. I honestly thought that the people who probably need to hear this seminar are too busy to actually make it to this seminar. <laughs> so I'm not quite sure if this is, I think this is being recorded. So it is. Okay. So if you're listening online, we're just having more people come in, okay? So we're just going to take a minute to make sure we kind of get everybody right from the start. Okay, so as I say, my name's Joe Crummy, and uh, the Christ Central sort of team asked me to lead a seminar, and it was one of those ones where they're like, you can do it on whatever you want, which I always hate when they tell you that, because then that narrows it down from a billion million things. Uh, And so I thought, well, what? what I like to go and hear about and what, as I travel around with working with other leaders, this is what we usually end up talking about the most is how do we survive, in a sense, as we all here, wanting to make family priority, absolutely, and also growing and building the church. And if there's anything I hear from my mentors who are now in their 60s or 70s, most of them say their main regrets are this, their family was sacrificed for the church growing, and they're always adamant, don't repeat those same mistakes. And so this seminar is going to be very practical, okay? So I'm warning you up front, okay? Reese is doing one on a life of worship. David Campbell's doing one on a spirit-filled life. This is survival, this one, okay? <laughs> so you can go to those ones and listen to those ones, and I'm sure you'll get lots of great things. This is like, how do I survive? <laughs> so it won't sound maybe necessarily very spiritual, but everything I'm going to say is going to help you have a life full of worship and a spirit-filled life. Okay? And we can't separate those two things from the nitty-gritty, how do I do it with new kids and no sleep and church is growing, we don't have enough people, if that's any of this is for you, okay? So I'll just uh, give a quick background. Uh, my wife, Angela, who would love to be here, we've been married uh, 16, over 16 years. 
We have four children, three boys and a girl. So we have Micah's ten and a half, Noah's eight, Jarrett's six, Anna's three. So like I said, we're right in the middle. I can't relate to emptiness, so I'm sorry if that's your stage of life and transition, but give me a few years and we'll add that on as well. I lead our church in Fredericton called Christ Central Church Fredericton, and I lead an eldership team of uh, four, and we have three full-time staff, two part-time staff. We're involved in church planting, so we're involved in a church plant in Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island, about a four-hour drive, which is very close in Canadian uh, terms. We are involved, and still are, with helping get Reese and Sarah launched in Vancouver, 5,000 kilometers away from us. So that was an interesting church plant, being that far away, and we're still involved in that. So I'm involved locally, translocal, and then involved with Jeremy on the Canadian, with Jeremy Simpkins for our Canadian team and everything. So we have lots to do. And in my spare time, I help coach some of my kids' sporting teams and involved in the school. So that's just to say, that's why this is called trying to maintain your sanity in the midst of all these growing things. All right, I want to read, I do want to be spiritual enough to at least read one scripture, okay? And I didn't have time, but if someone wants to help me out, the principles I'm out to share, I'm sure there's a proverb that goes with every one of them. So if you want to, if you're not so busy, you can look up the proverb and let me know if I do the seminar again. I'll put those proverbs with the things I'm going to share. Okay? Well, this is uh, one that's close to home to me and that I've used for the last, I think, 22 years over and over again. And it makes me feel young. So that's one reason why I go over it. Let me read it out. Okay? From 1 Timothy 4, Paul says, Command and teach these things. Don't, look, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech in life, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. And this is the key verse. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and and your hearers. Watch your life and doctrine closely. So, guess who watches your life and doctrine most closely? Is it your church or is it your family? So think about that one for a minute. Hopefully, it's both. And the things I'm going to share with you primarily have to do with family and church. Now, if you're not employed by the church, you're not, as again, I'm trying to give you some principles that you can apply wherever situation you might be. And because of just some of the logistics of PowerPoint and all that, I don't have it. But these are really simple ones, okay? Because I'm simple's good. We're just going to go through an A, B, C, D, the A, B, C, Ds of maintaining your sanity. You ready for this? You all think I'm joking, but this is, this, this is uh, coming out of real life things, okay? The first one. So we're going to look at letter A, administration. Now, some of you are going to groan right off the bat. But this is really, really important. And I'm going to talk primarily about schedules. So nitty-gritty, everyday stuff. But let me tell you, if you're not a good scheduler, you're going to go insane. So administration is really, really key. Now, here's the thing. If you are not a good administrator yourself, you're not a good organizer, 
you need to find someone who is to help you. I hear an amen down here. This is absolutely vital. Okay? And yes, we can joke, but this is serious. So if you're married, hopefully one of you is more wired to be administrative and doing scheduling things than the other. If not, go to the marriage seminar right now, okay? Get over there. In church life, you might not be a good administrator, a good organizer, a good scheduler. You need to find someone who is. Because look, even in the best of times, with communication and everything else, it's going to be hard, let alone if you do things like this. If you forget appointments, your integrity and your credibility starts to go down like this. If you double and triple book yourself, either with things at your family or in church life, guess what? That's going to affect trust. It's going to affect all kinds of different things. If you miss out on your kids' stuff because you forgot or you double booked or you put something in, guess what? That goes on over time. Trust, integrity, let alone stress, fights going up. We need to administrate. We need to schedule well. Now, here's the things I take a look at, okay? So for my wife, Angeline, this is what we do. So you've got to figure out what works best for you. We're old school. We still write everything down on a calendar, okay? We haven't synced our computers yet, but we're working on it. But seriously, we take once a week, and we sit down, and we synchronize our schedules. And here's the different schedules. So first of all, it's Team Crummy, okay? It's our family. It's our team. And we go over things like this. We've got to put down what sort of things are going on in school. And when I say we meet weekly, we plan out basically the next two or three months. And every week, we readjust what's going on for those two or three months. And we also plan things, this is getting a bit ahead, but we plan things six to 12 months down the road. We have to do it. It's absolutely, we don't even necessarily like it, but we have to do it. So we plan in all the things for our personal lives. School, sports, piano lessons, birthday parties, date nights, laundry, dishes, the main and plain, it's in there. If we don't do that, okay, we're butting heads, we're stressed out, we're living day to day, and you can't maintain that. So we sit down. And then as we look at the bigger things, Joe's going to North. He's going to be away for nine days. I better book into my schedule that before I go to North, I better be home for a couple of days to spend time with my kids and help my wife get organized and do all the laundry before I go. And I better book in when I get home some days. But that takes scheduling, and that needs to be done back in April not just at the end of August, or else too many things collide. After Team Crummy, we've got Team Fredericton, our local church. We need to plan in our elders' meetings, life group things, events, training, pastoral meetings, our staff meetings, all that, because as you can see, things get layered, right? So you've got your own family things, and then church on top of that. Then we have Team Canada, going to Charlottetown, Vancouver, Ontario, and for us, that's big-time travel. So those aren't little things. Like, okay, We are closer to you at this venue from Fredericton than I am to Reese and Sarah in Vancouver. 
Okay, so just think about that one. <laughs> so that takes planning, because you just can't jump on the tube two hours, you're there. It takes me all day just to get there, and there are four hours the other way. Okay, so this takes planning, it takes communication, and this is what it does. It cuts down, especially on the frustration for my wife. And if my wife is happy, I am happy. <laughs> Practical thing. She needs to know I've got a meeting this night so that she doesn't book in something else on that night. I need to know the kids have something here so that I don't book in time there. It sounds so simple. It is so hard to every week. And you know what life is like. Everything changes in one week, right? So it's amazing from week to week, but we have to do it. And if you can get that in, and for your churches... As they grow and everything, you need to plan well. Because it's my responsibility as a church leader that if we plan things and nobody shows up, some of the times, guess whose fault it is? Because guess what I've done? I've not taken into consideration other things in the calendar, both in maybe going on in the city or in church and everything. And I'm expecting people, and I get mad at people, why didn't you come to our... I didn't plan and schedule well. Okay? So it's a huge, huge thing. What it also does, it avoids burnout. It avoids, as I said, double booking, missing out on things. It protects both your sanity and your integrity. It's hard when you hear people talk about leaders like, well, they don't show up to their meetings. They're always late. Again, that erodes. And a lot of times, the person has a good heart. It's not anything like that. It's they didn't schedule well. Okay, so A, administration, scheduling. If you can't do it well, you need to find somebody who does because you cannot run away from it. You can't put your head in the sand. It will not go away. It will come back to bite you, guaranteed. All right, B, this goes right in from scheduling, administration. So A, administration. B is this, boundaries. And I'm going to talk about healthy boundaries. So B is for boundaries. What do we mean by boundaries? Being on a farm is a great thing. It's got very defined boundaries. There's fences everywhere, everywhere. And as Graham said last night, when it says no entry, it means no entry. And what do fences have that allow things to come in and out? That wasn't a trick question. Thank you. Gates. I'm just trying to give you a physical picture because when we talk about boundaries, some people say, okay, boundaries. What do you mean by that? I'm saying this. You need to, just as there's physically things here, that fences that define things and there's gates that allow things to come in or not to come in, you need to, in your own lives, no matter if you're single, married, whatever the case might be, you need to have things in your head and with your spouse and with your church leaders that you know you have healthy boundaries that you know are more defined. I'm going to give you some examples. But you allow things to come and go that you have more control over as opposed to everything crashing in and the busyness of life overwhelming you. So let me give you some examples. Basically, I'm asked, how do you know what to say yes to? How do you know what to say no to? Whether that be people asking you to volunteer, people asking you to serve, whatever the case might be. First thing you need to be aware of with boundaries, you have to know yourself. So this, might, this one might take a little bit longer. You have to be self-aware. And this is what I mean. If you're a workaholic, 
If you're a workaholic, anyone else out there, you need to put some boundaries in that allow you to come back a little bit so that you can get rested up, that you can recharge your batteries, that you can have time with your family. Okay? This is the self-awareness part. If you're more prone to being lazy, you need some boundaries and accountability that help you not to be lazy. Do you see where you need to apply the principle, but you've got to know yourself to figure out how you do that? All right? Are you a doormat? Do you have that expression in England? Are you a doormat? You can't say no to anything. Okay? Everyone, someone asks you, like, you're inside, you're going like, I don't want to do that. I hate it. But you feel good? Yes, I'll do it. You're like, ah, that's not a good way to live. You can be the opposite, okay? We call them boundary crashers. You can be a rhino. Guess what? You can go through other people's fences. (laughs) And maybe somebody says no to you, but you just keep charging ahead until you get a yes. Okay? And actually, you can be doing harm in that. Now, the caveat is, of course, we love and we serve, and sometimes we do things we don't want to do. I'm talking long-term. You've got to know yourself that you've got to be able to establish boundaries. Now, what are some ways that I try to do that? Okay? One is, and I'm a church elder, which lots of things fall into that, but I have a job description. Okay? It can be my best friend. Because it helps me know what I'm supposed to do. So every year I go through and what are my top five things that I'm called to do. And it, it can change, so this is why you have to to do it. I know my top five things. It helps me to say no to other things that might come my way. So I get requests to do different things. Does it really fit what my job description is? And if it doesn't, it helps me guilt-free to say, no, I can't do that. In a polite way. But I'm telling you, it takes the pressure off having so much Come at you. That's just one example. So whatever you're in, even if you're in a volunteer position, do you have a job description? That's a healthy boundary for you to know what to expect and what to say no to. Okay? What's another thing? Do you have somewhere in there some form of a day of rest? Okay? That might not be Sunday. And depending upon A lot of us work shift work, all kinds of different things. So it doesn't have to be the same day. But somewhere, you need some time just to recharge the batteries. And that gets into having vacations throughout the year where you have some time just to... And you might not have to go away, but it's different from your normal everyday life. And you're able to get some perspective. You're able to spend some more time, either family, with God, and that, that changes the routine. It's really, really important. That's a healthy boundary. So here's another one. You've got to establish some boundaries in your family. So here's one for us. Okay? We try to always have a meal together every day, and it's usually our what we call supper time, tea time, and usually that's between 5 and 7. So for us as a family, we try to not schedule any other meetings. during. The, that's a healthy boundary. Okay? If the phone rings during supper time, we don't answer it. We don't check our emails. We don't check Facebook. That's our... Do you see what I mean by a boundary? We understand. Now, here's a key thing. 
we save an emergency response for a real emergency. Let me say that again, especially if you're in pastoral care. You save an emergency response for a real emergency. Otherwise, everybody's going to think their problem is a real emergency. And most of the time, (coughs) it isn't. There's very few things that people really, really need me in a moment's notice that I didn't need to change my plans. Honestly, there's very... Most things can wait another hour. Most things... I'm at my mealtime. I'll meet you at 7 o'clock, but I'm guarding this time. On my day off, I guard it. I had a funeral two weeks ago, and the, one of the ladies in our church was really apologetic. Oh, Joe, I'm so sorry. That this, you know, it's your day off. I said, Kelly, no problem. Because I said, this happened. It's the only thing. But I said, I'm not doing this every Monday. So once in a while, it's not a big deal, is it? Because all the other times, I've saved it for something that really needed to be on a Monday. Those are healthy boundaries. And you need to be able to establish those guilt-free. And it doesn't mean you can't once in a while make some changes. So we're not going legalistic. We're just saying that's the general. And then you have the ability to change it as you want. Healthy boundaries are going to help you. Okay? And I don't even have time to get into it, but there's things that go along that for your own personal health, whether it be exercise, sleep, food, habits, all those things. That can all come into boundaries. And that leads into my next point. So A, administration, scheduling well, organizing well to cut down on frustration. B, boundaries. You're establishing things that you know what your role is. You're establishing some things to protect your family, to protect your sanity guilt-free, that you can then change if you need to, but they're established. And for us, I forgot to mention, our kids in that know those boundaries. Okay, They know those boundaries. And that makes them feel safe, doesn't it? They know the phone rings. If it's really important, someone's going to leave a message. They know that's our time together. All right? That leads to C. C is this, change. What a terrible word, isn't it? Change. Scheduling, administration, boundaries, change. And what I mean by that is this. Different seasons of life require changes. It requires changes to expectations, to your finances, to everything, both personally as things change and in church life as things change. So what I mean by this, and we see it a lot, okay? When you're single... You have a certain life and lifestyle that you live that is your normal, okay? Now, anyone who's married knows this. When you get married, guess what? Some things need to change. And once you're married with no kids and you live that, you become a certain lifestyle that becomes normal. And once you have a child, guess what? Things need to change. And... Once you have more than one child, guess what? Things need to change. And when children leave, I assume, I'm not there yet, but I assume things will need to change. And a lot of it is really unwritten things that we don't think about, but this is what happens. I see many young marrieds, and the 
two people in the marriage are still trying to live as if they were single. I see many young couples with kids who are trying to live like they were married without kids. And a lot of it's subconscious things. It's not things you're thinking about. But if you don't make changes up here about expectations, okay, and all these different things, if you don't make appropriate changes, frustration creeps in, and that causes lots of problems. And people wouldn't necessarily trace it back to sort of this whole thing of not being able to change. But when you reveal it to people, it's a real eye-opener. So I realize this, okay, four kids. Now, Angela, my wife, says this, okay, guys, this is more for you because women are much better multitaskers, and they do a lot of this anyways, okay? But I've realized for us, every child I had, I had to make some serious, at least one significant change because I had less time than I did before. And guess what? I might not have liked it at the beginning, but even if I didn't like it, things have to change. So I love reading the newspaper. It's one of my favorite things to do. Guess what, guys? After my second child, I gave up trying to read the newspaper (laughs) because my priority was I needed to spend more time helping my wife and my kids. It might seem silly, but let me tell you, up here, that was a big change in expectation. After our third child, I had to give up. I was in a hockey league playing two nights a week, everything. Now, I realize afterwards these are actually good changes. Those aren't, they're not horrible sacrifices, okay? It wasn't so much the issue. It's, it's the, it's the uh, not realizing inside those things have to change. So whatever stage of life you're in, and this happens in church life as well. So if you're involved in a big church and you go out to church plant, guess what? Your expectations have to change. So if you go out, guess what? You might not have a great kids program right at the beginning. You might not have a whole thing for youth. You have to change your expectations. If you're involved in a church plant and you start to grow and you were involved in everything at the beginning and as it grows, guess what? You might feel more left out. You're not really being left out. It's just that things have changed. Do you see how you have to really take some time to evaluate what's really going on here? And a lot of the times, we have not changed with the dynamics that have changed around us, and we need to stop reevaluate. It's not anyone's fault. It's not good or evil. It's not right or wrong. Change is required because things around us have changed. Okay? So that's a really big one. So A, administration. We need to schedule well. And if you're not good at it, you need to find somebody who is, both for your personal life and whatever job, church role you're in. B, we need healthy boundaries. We need boundaries that are going to protect our family. We need boundaries that are going to help protect us in church life. Otherwise, we're going to get crushed because there's so many needs and there's so many things you can be busy with. You need to establish some of those things and stick to them for the protect your family and your sanity in your church. We need to change with different seasons of life. We need to change our expectations. We need to change our budgets. We need to change how we spend our time. We need to even change maybe our priorities that go along with that. And that leads to D. Okay, all this leads to D. And that is, we need to delegate 
well. So scheduling, administration, boundaries, change lead to this. We need to delegate well. Because here's a question to ask yourself in your various roles. This is a really, really important question. What is it that only you can do? So you think about that one for a minute. What is it that only you can do? So there's some homework for you, all right? What is it only can you do? Let me give you some examples, okay? My wife only has one husband. Hallelujah. That's me. Guess what? No one else can fulfill that role but me. As a father, I am the only father to my four kids. Nobody else can replace that role. As a church elder, guess what? Somebody else can fill that role. But those first two, nobody else can do it. So that's a sobering thing, isn't it? So I have to make sure in those first three that I look at those two first. As a husband, okay, and this is all the biblical, okay? I'm to love my wife as Christ loved the church, sacrifice, lay down my life for her. Most guys, we, we will say that, okay? We will take a bullet for our wife, okay? But we won't clean the toilet for our wife, <laughs> okay? We'll be the hero in the movie, but in the nitty-gritty, I can't delegate out things as a husband and a father to other people. So I've got to make sure in my scheduling, in my boundaries, and in changing, that I make sure I give myself time and energy and priority, and not just give the leftovers, but give my best to my wife and to my kids because no one else can fulfill that role. Okay? And with God's help, I am bound and determined okay, that my kids growing up are not going to be harmed or negatively affected by me being a pastor and an elder. Okay? That's one of my goals. Now, some of those things are out of my control because them growing up and spiritual warfare and all of that. But I'm going to do my part, okay? And I don't want my wife to be regretting that she married me and the role that we're doing, okay? But a lot of that's on me. Now, you need to apply that to wherever you are. What is it that only you can do? When you figure that out, you better make sure that's at the top of your list of your priorities, your time, in your job description. Now, that also applies to me as an elder. Okay? So I need to look at as an elder, what is it only I can do as a lead elder? Okay? I'm full-time. My other elders, except for one, aren't full-time, so they have other things I need to take a look at. Okay. I'm responsible. Remember my job description? For these five main things. I need to make sure I do those five things. Everything else, guess what? I can delegate. Now, we're going to get to some points on how to do that well. But I want to get the principle driven home first. Now, depending upon how you're wired, you're going to love or hate this, okay? Because some of you, are, you want to delegate everything, and you're going to end up doing nothing, okay? And you're going to enjoy that. There's something for you to do as well. I'm more on the control freak, a bit anal, and I like everything done really, really well. So guess what's really hard to do? Delegate. Well, what's, what's the title 
of the seminar, keeping your sanity in the midst of a growing family and growing church. Your church will not grow if you don't give things away. Because unless you're really high-powered and high-functioning and you try to control everything and you try to do everything, you're going to hit a certain ceiling somewhere and you're going to drop back down. You're going to hit that ceiling again and drop back down because you're going to cause a plug that's going to bottleneck everything. So in family life, okay, come back to that for a second. We have roles (laughs) for our kids and we help delegate responsibilities to them. And Mark's been at our house and in our kitchen, and we have this board <laughs> on with chores, and we have names that go along, and you can switch the names. And when Mark comes, we put Mark on one of the, we uh, take the tape and put Mark in his role. Now, it doesn't always work that way, okay? But we're trying to teach them that we're a team, and that even at their young age and different things, there's roles and responsibilities that we can delegate things that, that actually do help us, right? They, they help Angela and I for sure, but it's helping them take responsibility. So our third, Jarrett, man, he loves doing recycling all that. We're like, we'll let you do recycling every time. So he gets all the paper, he gets all the plastic, he sorts them all, he puts them all, takes them like half an hour. We're just like, Jarrett, you're doing a great job. Okay? That has to be done. That's something we found as we've, he likes to do. We can delegate that. And guess what? He does a better job than we do. Now you take that to church life as well. Okay. What is it that only you can do in your role or at your job? Anything else you need to find people to delegate. Because scripturally, what are we believing? Okay, I'm sure we all believe this. We believe that church is team. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. We believe that the Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts to everyone. We don't believe that everyone has all the spiritual gifts. We're one body Many members, all working together. We want people to take responsibility. We want people to take ownership. And as Jeremy said over and over again, one of the prophetic words all the way along, we can do more together than we can do apart. What does that look like? That's administrating well. That's having healthy boundaries. That's changing. And that's delegating well. Now, back in 19, I think it was 98, at one of the bright, my first Brighton conference, okay, Dave Holden gave a great message, so much so I actually remember all three points. Okay, that's a good message. And I've actually used these things, so I'm giving Dave Holden credit, and he probably got it from somewhere else as well. But he gave three things just on this about delegating that I found really helpful and I've tried to implement. So I'm going to share them with you as well, referencing Dave Holden as giving credit to him. Okay? He said this, the first thing you have to do to delegate well is you have to define well. You have to define what you're delegating. And I come back to one of the best things is a job description. So in our church, for example, basically, and it's quite funny, but it works, we have a job description for almost everything there is to do, written down. So if you're on the move team, because we meet at a university, so we have to take all the stuff from our building every Sunday morning, move it all, set it all up. If you're working with kids, everything. There's a job description for everything. Now, here's the great thing. Now, here's some advantages, okay? If you define well. So you're putting down, this is what we expect. This is how you do it, okay? And it gives some accountability, some feedback. One is this. You can recruit a lot more people because what are you doing? 
you're setting healthy boundaries. Okay, so if I came up to Mark and I said, Mark, hey, man, you know what we really need help with? We need help with the move team. Can you help us? Now, Mark might say yes, but inside, what have I not done? I've not even said what's expected. I've not given him any sense of what am I committing myself to? Am I signing up for life? <laughs> Do I have to get there at 5 a.m. or 7.30 a.m.? How long is it going to take me? Am I even physically fit to even do that? But if I came to Mark and said, you know what, Mark? You're a big strapping young man, and we know that, uh, you know what? We really feel that right now we have three teams. There's three people on each team, and twice out of six Sundays, so you get to do two, and you get four off. I repeat, four off. And we need you there by 7.30. It's going to take 45 minutes. This is what you need to do. There's two others. If you have any questions, try it out. Come back to us. I can almost guarantee he's going to be much more willing to say yes to that than if I just come up and said, Mark, will you join the moving team? Because I've just put in place those first three principles. And I've defined what we're asking to do. And you've given people permission to know what the boundary is. Am I signing up for life? Mark, why don't you just try it for, okay, between now and Christmas, and then let's talk about it again. I'm not quite sure I need to. Here's a piece of paper. It tells you everything that we need. Now, what it does as a leader is this. If Mark's not doing it right and he's not getting the job done, if you haven't set any boundaries or any parameters, it's really hard to come up and say, you know what, Mark? I'm sorry, mate, but you're not doing a very good job. What do you mean I'm not doing a good job? Joe doesn't like me? Does Joe have something out against me? You see how in church life, oh, 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 these things happen all the time, okay? No, when you have delegate and you define well, you can say, here's what we're asking to do, and nothing. these things just aren't getting done. Is there something, there's feedback, there's dialogue. Oh, I didn't understand that. Oh, I thought that meant this. There's an objective opinion that's more than subjective. Okay, I hope you get the heart of that. Do you understand more what I mean by define? We're defining to delegate well, okay, the second D of Dave Holden is this. You display, you model what you, so you don't just write it down, but actually the best thing would be to say, Mark, you're going to come with us one Sunday, and you just watch what we do. And then we're going to model it, we're going to display it for him. Then he's got an example to follow. Now, you've got to make sure you want to display well, Okay. <laughs> You see how much easier it is to delegate if you define well and if you display well, then you're really on, your tra- on a good track for people to feel like, hey, I can do this. And they take responsibility and they take ownership. Isn't that what you want as a leader? You want all hands on deck, many hands make light work, all those things working together? Now we've tried to do that in our church life. And so we have... Um, as I said, we've got moving teams, we've got worship teams, as I'm sure all you do. We've got, uh, Mark's been there, we've got, under the age of 12, we have, we have about 95 kids under the age of 12. Okay? So for kids' work, we need all hands on deck. So we have to have lots of job descriptions, lots of recruitment, but it's the delegation 
because we're defining well. Everybody has a job description. Okay? We're not burning people out because guess what? You just have to do two. You get six weeks off. People are like, okay, I can sign up for that. It's when you say, can you sign up? And people are like, man, am I in this for life? That's when people lose heart and people lose their sanity. So we want, in delegating, we want to define well. We want to display. We want to model well. And that goes for everything, for your small groups. It doesn't matter what it is. And I'm sure you can apply these things, whatever job you might have. The third D, well, I've already said it. It's delegate. Okay, that leads to delegation. Now here's the thing you have to just understand, and we'll wrap things up, and maybe we'll have a few minutes of question and answer. Folks, when you delegate, there's always some risk involved. But if you do those other things, you're going to cut down on the risk. But there's always risk involved. And sometimes things don't go so well, and we have to adjust things. But many times we find out this, just as in my example with Jarrett from our own, we find out, you know what? These people are really good at what they're doing. And actually, they do it better than I was doing it. <laughs> That's a success, folks. Okay. And what's my whole point in that? As a leader, you don't want to be doing everything. So the more people you can get trained up and delegated to do, that's going to maintain your sanity and it's going to allow you to focus on the things that only you can do in church life. So for me as an elder, okay, how many people in our church can set up chairs? Quite a few. How many can be involved in church discipline in the church? Hmm. I better save some time not setting up chairs to focus on dealing with, I better find some other people to set up the chairs. (laughs) doesn't mean I'm above it, okay? But only I can do some of these things, so I need to make sure I have time to do those things. There's some risk involved, but it's worth it. It gives you also room for feedback, and that's one of the biggest things. When we delegate things, we need time for feedback. So Mark, how did it go on the moving team on Sunday? Do you have you got fresh set of eyes. Maybe there's things that we could do better, because you're new. Why don't you give us some feedback? Maybe we need to tweak some things. Okay, it gives dialogue with it. It gives room and time to grow. And, as I should have said at the beginning, okay, choose wisely what you're going to delegate how you're going to define it, how you're going to display it. So in review, keeping your sanity in the midst of a busy family and a busy church, the ABCD, administrate well. Schedule, planning can be your best friend. And for those of you who are very spontaneous and fly by the seat of your pants, There's still room for that. But guess what? I say, I'd rather have a plan and change it than not have a plan and expect it to all come together. So we're open to the spontaneous. We're open to the Holy Spirit. We plan and we're willing to change. But it's better to have a plan. Okay? So you want to administrate well. Your family first. Scheduling for your family. Church wider church scene. B is boundaries. Having healthy boundaries that you want to have a sustainable pace of life. Folks, I didn't bring the stats, but man, in church life, burnout, all that is just like incredible. We don't want that. 
You've got to know yourself. Do I need to, am I a workmaholic? I need to put in some boundaries that protect me. I need to step back. If I'm lazy, I need to put some boundaries in to be accountable and to work hard. I've got to know my role. Do I have a job description? Am I sticking to it? Does my job description need to change? It helps us to say what yes to and no to. Okay? Watch over yourself and your doctrine closely. See, we need to change. When the seasons change, we need to change. Again, personally, in those different stages of life, we need to change. And we just need to be aware maybe some things need to change. Church life, things need to change. If you're going from big to small, you've got to change some things in your mindset. If you're going from small to bigger, you need to change some things in your mindset. Okay? I can't overstate that one enough because that's the tricky one because you, you're not even aware that your, your, your definition of normal needs to change. But a lot of times it does. And all those things lead to D, to delegate well. Asking that question, what is there that only I can do? Husband, father, are the top two things. No one can replace me in that. And then in church life, what is it that only I can do in my role? Everything else is open to delegation and involving others. Personally, in the church, we want to define things well. We want to display and model things well. We want to delegate well. That's going to be a blessing and benefit to every. Okay? Practical things. Okay. Go to David Campbell tomorrow on a spirit-filled life. He'll fill in all the other things that I didn't. Listen to Reese online about having a worshipful life. And if anyone else you're talking to needs some survival, tell them to listen to this one, okay? All right. I'm going to pray. I just want to ask for God's help and us applying these things into our lives, okay? Because I'm joking about them, and I can. But folks, we do not want kids raised up, okay, who hate us as parents because we put the church above them. And we all want churches that grow and do all the things that we want them to do. We want both, okay? And I'm serious in saying, if I honestly believe if you can apply these things, this is going to help a lot, okay? So let's ask for God's help in it, and then we'll see if we have some questions, okay? So Father in heaven, we thank you today that... Uh, God, in all these principles we see in your word, that Jesus, we see you lived them out. And now we ask for your help in applying them to our lives. And Father, I thank you for every person who's physically here. I thank you that are those who are going to listen online. And God, we know that we live busy lives and chaotic lives. And a lot of times, God, we just say, help, Lord. Would you help us bring some order to our lives? And Holy Spirit, you're the one who brings order out of chaos. And Holy Spirit, I just pray as these principles come from your word. I just pray for an impartation today and the folks here to be able to actually apply these things to their lives. God, we pray, Lord, for people working together and scheduling and planning. It's going to benefit and serve one another. God, we pray for healthy boundaries. Jesus, you had great boundaries. I only do what I see my father doing and that you weren't pushed around by anyone because you knew what you were called to do. God, we pray for that in our lives. God, we pray for us to change our expectations. God, that Lord, we wouldn't be small-minded, God, but Lord, we wouldn't be over-minded as well, God, in the sense of 
God, these things that we think should be done, but God, we're not at that stage yet. Lord, help us to have great wisdom. And Father, we pray, Lord, we want to see many people, Lord, involved in church life. Lord, we know it's your body, many parts, many members working together. God, none's more than, no more important than another, but we're working together. So God, would you help us as leaders in our families, in our churches, Lord, to delegate well. Father, we pray in all these things, Lord. I pray more peace in families. God, I pray for kids to grow up in healthy homes. God, I pray for healthy churches that reflect Jesus Christ. That, Lord, we would have healthy families, healthy churches. We pray for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, I think we have five or seven minutes, and so maybe you might have some questions or something you didn't understand, so feel free. Okay, so, so the question was, just in case you didn't hear it, and for those online, just asking a 10-year-old daughter, maybe doesn't want to help out home, saying other kids her age don't, but what can we do to maybe help take some responsibility in that, which is a great question. And by all means, I have no uh, great necessarily answers. All I'd say is this. I think if you could have a conversation, what would she like to do? And if you can find, this is what we've done with our kids. They're all wired different, right? And so if you try to kind of paint the same brush, we've tried, to f- we've tried different things to find out and try to identify what they actually, that's what we found out with Jared. Like, doing, he actually likes doing this. Well, why force him to do something? We'll let him run with that. So if there's something that maybe she could, you know, I don't want to say trick her, but if she can find something that she likes to do and you can reinforce that and get behind that, that might open up some doors for some other things as well. Okay? And if anyone else has a better answer, talk to this gentleman afterwards. Okay? It's a good question. Anyone else on any of those things? Maybe you didn't understand or weren't clear about we motor it through them. So. so the question was, how do you know in all these things that you're not being driven? Another great question. Well, for me, again, this is where I'm talking about knowing yourself. Is For myself, I know sort of the background, and this is where I was serious in saying the backdrop of this is everything that we believe about being filled with the Holy Spirit, based in grace, all those things, and these are some practical outworkings of those things, some tangible, and that's what I focused on today. I just want to give you some like actual tools that you can use. But yes, the basis of these things is, it is grace. There's grace for God. You know what? We don't always get it right. We don't always, we don't always have devotion at mealtime because it's too crazy and we miss. There's grace for those things. But if we don't have any plan at all, Guess what? We would never talk about the Bible in our day and pray at mealtime if we didn't actually try to establish that as a healthy thing. So there's always grace involved. But grace, as we know, empowers us okay, to be able to live these things out. And we have to be, you have to know yourself. Because if one of my elders, Gary, was here, Mark knows Gary, okay? We just did this. We, we read the same book, okay? A bit of a side, but to illustrate the point. Okay, we read the same book. I thought it was great because it gave me a kick in the pants and motivated me. Gary was like, that book was too driven. That would drive me because he felt pressure to then. Same book, but we were wired differently. So we got two different things. You've got to know how you're wired. 
And you've got to somehow find grace in the Holy Spirit to empower. But most of the people I talk to, it's not so much driven. It's just help. I don't even know where to start. And I'm trying to give you some places to start today. Okay? So the question was, what does our week look like in practicality of the balance between church things and everything else? Um, I can quickly go through it, okay, just to, just to help you, okay? And this is where here's the main and the plane, and then things change, and you have to, that's that long term, find, okay, we've got a busy couple weekends coming up, so nothing we can do about it, but we need to find another time to make up for the time we were busy with that. But for myself, um, this is how it goes, because I'm pretty structured, so not everyone's like this, all right? So I'm full-time church, so I get Monday off, so I'll start with Sunday. So Sunday is a blur, okay? And so for us, we're up early. My wife, Angela, leads worship a lot, so she's gone by 8. I've got the four kids. We go or else, and then we usually have people over for a meal pretty much every Sunday. We try to save from 3 to 5 on Sundays as our two hours with our kids. So people leave by 3, and we've got two hours to pour into them, and then I'm off again. So I have supper around 5, and then I go, because I usually have a meeting at 6 to 7. We have our prayer meeting every week, 7 to 8, and then I usually have a meeting afterwards, because I'm wired. I'd rather have three meetings in one night, and next night have nothing, as opposed to one meeting every night. Monday, I'm able to do it now. It was harder in the church planning days, because there weren't other people to cover. It's much easier now, to be honest, to have Monday as a day off, and we guard that forcefully. (laughs) And it works, because you know what? People know it's their day, and people don't call us, people don't, and I don't check my emails. I'm, so that's how we're wired, and we try to do things. Now, my wife works on Mondays part-time through the year, so I've got Anna, our youngest, are in that, so we have a fun day together. We go swimming and do all kinds of stuff. I got the boys after school, and then Monday nights we try to keep open, and we try to do a date night if it is in that one. A lot of times it's our one night to be home with the kids that we aren't rushed in everything. We do a two-hour bedtime. So we do just because of school and homework and everything. So this is getting into schedules. Um, so we do Anna from 7 to 7.30 because it gives us a half an hour with her. 7.30 to 8 Jarrett. Noah's 8 to 8.30. And Micah's 8.30 to 9. Now it's a big commitment. We used to put them all to bed at the same time, but they're older now. It doesn't work. We've got homework, but it gives us time with each one of them. But that's every night, so that's a big... So I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm just saying that's how we are right now at our stage of life. So, Angela and I see each other by 10 o'clock. <laughs> so we try to keep Monday night for that. Tuesday night, we, for myself, we have our elders meeting, and every second week our wives join us. And we host that at our house so that I don't have to be out. So that's very strategic. Now, our elders up to this point are older and haven't had kids in the same situation. That way, I get to be home right up till 8 o'clock from my supper. I'm saying I'm trying to be home every... They come and join us. Angela can come and join us for different times, but at least she feels a part of it the weeks that she's there. And I don't have to leave my house. So when it's 10, 10, 30, I'm home. And so that gives me two nights right in a row at least I'm home, and I can say goodnight to the kids because I'm physically home. Wednesday night, I'm usually out 
from 7 onwards because that's my night to visit people and pastoral care and different things. Thursday night, I'm home and my wife gets a night out. So, Angela, I hope you're listening to this online. So, what we found is because I'm out so many nights, on Thursday night, she's out, I put the kids to bed, I clean the house, I do the laundry. I love doing those things because I like to be nice and orderly. So it fits my personality. Now what I can do is, the kids are in bed by 9. If I need an extra meeting with somebody, I can always get them to come over to my place after 9. But Angela's out. So I'm home. I try to be home Friday nights. And if I'm not home Friday night, I'm home Saturday night. So we try to make sure one of those ones. I try to be home Friday night. And then Saturday is a... So I'm working sort of 9 to 5, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Saturday is a flex day because you have leadership development, you've got weddings, you've got all kinds of different things on that usually, there's hardly a Saturday that something isn't in there, but we try to keep at least, say, two out of four, try to be with family most of that time, and then we start again. Now the principle is this. We have sat down and we have rigorously gone through what works best for us. That's the principle. So I don't want you to copy that. The principles are there. Did you hear them? Scheduling and planning. So we know, oh yeah, we've got these people coming. We've got this. We need to make sure we have extra time. So one of those Wednesday nights, I might book in not to go out that night because we've had a busy stretch and I need to be home. Wednesday night, as well as Thursday night, as well as Friday night, as well as Saturday night. You see the... But if we don't plan that, it, life just rolls on. We've got boundaries. We're home at meal times. We've got different things. All that. We've had to change. We used to put the kids all to bed at the same time. It was chaos. But by 8 o'clock, <sighs> it doesn't work anymore. Because what? Mike is 10. He doesn't fall asleep at 7.30 anymore. He's got homework to do. When are we going to fit that? So we've had to change. And as they've gotten older, we've been able to delegate things to them. You need to clean your room. You can do that. You can vacuum. You can do this. All the principles are there. And guess what? In a year or two, we're going to have to change that all probably again. All right. So I hope that helped. One last one because it's four o'clock. That might have been too much detail, but I'd rather you hear it all and actually helps put the principles into real life, real action. Okay, one at the back. Yep. Okay. So, so the question was, if, if you're in a situation where you're the only person maybe aware that there needs to be changes or wants to make changes, whether that's in family and or church life or in work life, how do you even start if you're the only one who's aware of making changes? Again, there's no easy answer. I guess a couple of things... I would do is if you can just sort of do a rigorous uh, overview of your life and, and are there some places that you that that you under your responsibility and your ability can change and at least that's a starting point and then I would do this I would pray like crazy okay and ask for God's help and at least somebody in one of those situations the heart might turn or a situation might turn that would enable some more changes to take place. But we got to start with ourselves and what we're able to do, that's where that's what we have to start with and hopefully with God's help 
He's going to help make a way for other things. But the first thing is starting, how can I personally apply these principles into my life that might model something, or with God's help, as I do my part, God's going to change something that I can't change, but God can change it. Off the top of my head, that's would be the starting point, I'd say, for that. Okay? All right, I just want to be another time. It's just 4 o'clock now. We're going to end here. Thank you very much for coming. Thanks for listening to me ramble. Hopefully that was helpful. All right. I'll stay for a few minutes afterwards, and for those online, hope this has blessed you as well. Thank you.